How many can say amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray real quick so you, before you sit down. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for this day. Father, give you thanks for this opportunity, Lord, to gather, Father, and to worship you, Lord, to praise your holy name, Father. I pray that you be with us, Father, this core believers, Father, that are here, Father, because of you, Lord, and you alone, Father. Father, I pray that you take care of us, Lord, throughout the week, Lord, and remind us, Father, daily, Lord, who ye are and whose we are, Father. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. You know, there are days that, that, that I pray. Well, every day I pray, but you, you know what I mean. Um, and it sounds something like this. God, so far today I have done all right. I haven't gossiped, I haven't lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, I haven't been grumpy, I haven't been nasty or even selfish, Lord. But God, I ask you, I'm going to get out of this bed in a little bit, and I'm probably going to need a lot of help. Amen. Now, there's times that we have that, don't we? We're like, Lord, we, we need some help. I, I need you right now. You know, and, and I am thankful for the for many things in my life. But one of the most grateful things and one of the, the things that I'm most thankful for is this person named Lisa, my wife. She's just amazing. You know, this past November, we celebrated 26. I mean, March. I don't messed up. <laughs> I was just testing you to see you reacted. This past, <laughs> there goes lunch. <laughs> see, God, there's Cracker Jacks right there, man. That's your lunch. But uh, 26 years, you know, and I think after 26 years, I'm thankful because I can say that she gets me. She, she understands me. You know, and, and um, she understands that, that I'm forgetful. She understands that I'm disorganized. She understands that I'm impatient. You know, and the list goes on and on and on. And there are some things that, that I won't mention. I don't ask her, but the list continues to go on. But after 26 years, she understands all of these things about me, and yet she loves me in spite of those things. That's an answered prayer there. That in spite of all those faults that I have, those things that I need to be reminded of, she loves me anyhow. You know, another group of people that I'm so glad that God has um, surrounded me with is you. You know, in just a, how long we've been meeting together? A year and a half, maybe. There we go. It's May. It's a year. A year that we've been gathering together. And, and, and allowing me a time to just bring the word. I can honestly say that you also, you get me. You know who I am. And in spite of all my shortcomings, you love me anyhow. 
that, that feels good when I walk through those doors because my wife might not love me that much because of the drive, but you love me. So there's always somebody loving me. No, my wife loves me in spite of everything. Amen. She loves me, I think. <laughs> but, you know, I think in a nutshell, the verse we'll read here in a little bit, that, that's what Paul is telling his people. He's saying, people, oh, you get me. You know what I'm about. You know where I'm coming from. You get me. And from his pastor's heart, Paul tells them, I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for what they, the people there, had done. And he says, I'm thankful for what God will do. Let's read Philippians 1, verse 3 through 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn that. It's almost at the very end. You might miss it, but that's okay because it's really small. It's only four chapters long. Philippians 1, um, 3 through 6. And this is what Paul is saying here. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He ain't finished with us yet. He, he's only started with each and every one of us. And I know my wife is probably saying, oh, thank you, Lord, you're not finished with him. You got some work to do, but he, he's on the right track, isn't it? That can be said about all of us. I know he, too. I know your wife, he, so, yeah, you're on the right track. <laughs> every day. Every day. You know, so the first thing that Paul talks about in this section uh, of his letter is, in fact, that he is thankful for what God has done for them. You know, he says, every time I think of you, you know, there, there, there's probably not too many people in our lives that we can honestly say that, that we are thankful for every time we think of them, are there? You know, I'm sure there's people out there that, 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 uh, have either angered you or disappointed you at one time or another. And just about all of us have, uh, we know someone that at some point we would just, we just want to give them a hug so hard that they turn blue. We've all been through that. You know, however, look at what Paul writes to his friends in, in Philippi. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. See, in Paul's letters, and as you read them, thanksgiving and prayer are always directed toward God and because of God. However, Paul's thanksgiving in his letter to the Philippians is just a little bit different. Instead of giving thanks to God for them, he gives thanks to God every time he thinks of them. Every time that he thinks of them, he gives God thanks. You know, Paul rarely thanks God for things, but rather he thanks God for people 
He thanks God for those special gifts that people have brought into his life, who despite whatever frustration or, or grief they might cause him, they are without exception a source of joy for him and thanksgiving for him. See, every time Paul thought about the Philippians, he gave thanks to God for them. You know, the Philippian church had brought Paul much joy and a little pain. And there was time that he had to go back to that church plan and say, come on, God, we got we, we to get back on track. And sometimes he couldn't get this, so he'd write a letter and say, come on, guys, let, let's get back where we need to be. And those were the times that he would think of them because he would hear what's going on, and he'd think of them. And he would always start his prayer, Lord, thank you for those people. Just like those enemies that sometimes come across our path, we need to be able to say, God, thank you because you put them in my life. You know, some of the churches had developed these severe problems, which the church of Philippians um, was one of those. And, and, and Paul's letters have focused on dealing with the problem. But Paul's letter to the Philippians, while mentioning some of the concerns and giving some, uh, some advice could be considered as a beautiful thank you note that he was sending to the church. Then look at what Paul writes. He says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. There was a smile on his face. There was joy in his heart while he lifted up the church that was having trouble to God. And another thing uh, that Paul does of Thanksgiving is he acknowledges uh, the acknowledgement of his prayer for them. He writes that in the letter to them. In this letter, he indicates something special and thus showing that, that they have a special place in his heart. He says, whenever I pray. See, he's still teaching the church a lesson here about praying he says oh whenever i pray this does not mean in this case here that he prays for them unceasingly uh, without ceasing but that he does so continuously over and over again when he thinks of them you know i'm a big believer that there are many times that people put um, that god puts people in our thoughts and we're thinking of them that whole day and we don't know why. One of the things that I've learned to do is when, when God does that to me, I pray every time that name comes in my head, I pray for that person. And then at the end of the day, I send him a note, either a text, an email, a Facebook message. Say, hey, man, I don't know why, but God has had you in my mind and heart all day. I want you to know that I thank God for you and I'm praying for you. And I've done that with our superintendents, done that with principals, teachers, counselors, people that I work with, family members. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard, thank you, Mr. Leon, 
No one has ever done that for me. Remember at a football game, just walking up to, to the principal of the high school, and I said, Mr. Christian, my name is Joe DeLeon. Um, how can I pray for you? And he kind of stepped back and like, oh, wow. He said, no one has ever told me that or asked me that. And he said, Mr. DeLeon, I really appreciate what you're saying. Just pray for me for everything. And I did. And we become really, really good friends since that day. He says here, whenever I pray, whenever I pray. In addition, Paul indicates that when he prays for them, he does it with joy. You know, and when he mentions this here, a praying with joy, this is the first of 16 occurrences that we find in this letter to Philippians. So being that it's four chapters long, as it average about four times each chapter that he says, I pray with joy, and I pray with joy. Another reason to notice the word here is that this is the only one of Paul's letters where the word joy is used in his thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. And I pray for them with joy. You know, that's pretty, pretty amazing for such a short book to see that all across his writing. See, this joy that Paul is experiencing and that he's talking about here, say this joy lies at the heart of the Christian experience. And it is the fruit of the Spirit which, which serves as a primary proof of the Spirit's presence in us. You know, if you find yourself that you just can't pray and definitely can't pray with joy, we got to get in line with the Spirit. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible but only through God, as we see in Paul. And the next thing that Paul talks about in this chapter is that he is thankful for what they had done. He calls them this in, chapter, in verse 5. He says, my partners. He's like, you are my team. We work together. He says, my partners. You know, one of the great proofs of what God has done in our life is what we do with that which he has given us. I'm sure you've heard Heath call us partners in this church, friends. See, we have to remember that faith is a verb. It requires action. See, the evidence of our faith is in doing. The evidence of our faith is in serving. The evidence of our faith is even in giving. See, this is the major reason for, for Paul's thanksgiving and joy whenever he thought of the Philippians. He writes to them, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news. See, that was so important to him that that was the first thing on top of his line. He's like, oh, you have been so faithful with spreading that news. He's thinking like, I just helped you for a little bit 10 years ago to plan that church, and you continue. Maybe not as good as he wanted at times, but he was still thankful 
for then spreading the good news about Christ from the time that you first heard about it until now. So he is able to pray for them with joy because of the partnership that they had. Paul knew that the church in Philippi was also praying for him. See this church, the Philippians participated in Paul's ministry with, with their prayers. They participated in his ministry with their finances. And they participated in the ministry to the spreading of gospel for about 10 years when this letter was written. And Paul could feel that. He could see that. And he knew that. You ever had that feeling when you're thinking, oh, somebody's praying for me. I can tell somebody is praying for me. However, the partnership goes even deeper than that. The Philippians did far more than support Paul's ministry spiritually and financially. Rather, they were completely involved and committed to spreading the gospel and proclaiming the love and grace and mercy of the gospel. See, it was more than, than, hey, Paul, here's some money. Go get them. I've had people tell me that even in ministry. How much money you need? Go, go get them. Go get them. See, their involvement was total and complete. A key phrase in this verse is, from the first time you heard it. What did they hear? The gospel until now. He said, from the very first time that you fell in love with God, you have been determined to share the gospel. You know, it's amazing to see when, when God transforms our life, we, we literally feel, feel different, like a big weight is lifted from us. But, you know, there's a greater uh, feeling that I feel when I see someone that I've been ministering to have that life change and see their life transform to where they were one of those hard-headed kids in the youth ministry that you just kind of wanted to sack a punch <laughs> to now they're leading the congregation. Or that one young girl who, who would kneel at the front every time during worship and sometimes as I preach to them, now as a nurse who prays for his patience before she walks in the room. And several like that have come out of that ministry that I would have never thought God could do that. And Paul also mentions here, he says, we are in this Together. See, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. See, God will, will be constantly crossing our path and canceling our, 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 our plans by sending people our way who need help, who need prayer, who need Jesus. Let me ask you this. Have you allowed yourself 
to be interrupted by God? Have you allowed yourself to be interrupted by God? I had a young man who was part of my youth ministry, and um, his older brother played guitar for a praise band in, in, in Hutto in our youth ministry, and this is his little brother, and I ran into him. I almost didn't recognize him because of the big old beard that he has, and he's about 6'4 now. But uh, so I saw him in the store when I was going to get a eighth gas, uh, an eighth tank of gas with my $20 that I pay. <laughs> Eli, Mr. DeLeon, I need to talk to you. I said, well, when you finish checking out, man, I'll be gassing up right out there. And he, he pulls up and he's like, Mr. DeLeon, I need some help. I'm like, what's going on, buddy? He said, my life is a mess. That's where his word. My life is a mess. He said, and I, I think I need to get back to Jesus. And I'm like, brother, let me tell you something. You know you got to get back to Jesus. That's why we cross paths. And he was telling me of the things that he's going through, uh, a divorce that has been going really, really bad in his heart and it's tough on him. Got a little kid that he can't see. And I could see those tears in his eyes of just not knowing what to do next. And I said, but let, let me pray for you right now. And he looks in the mirror, makes sure nobody's around. You know, he's not holding up traffic there by the gas pump. And I prayed for him. And I told him where we meet, right here. And he told me, I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back. I said, man, I'm going to be waiting. If you don't show up Sunday, he's not here, he's going to get a note from me. <laughs> it's going to be a national man. We pray for you today. We miss you. But there are times that God wants to interrupt our lives. Are you allowing him to interrupt your plans that you have, your life, the journey that you have. Listen to what Mark uh, 8 says in verse um, 34 through 35. He says, Then calling on the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish way and take up the cross and follow me. You see the interruption? All the disciples had other trades. They were doing other things. And he's telling them, okay, if you want to follow me, this is what you have to do. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of God's good news, you will save it. Do you allow God to interrupt your life? Do you allow God to rearrange your schedule? Do you allow God to, to meddle with your finances? Do you allow God to determine what your career will be? The one thing that I always tell the younger generation and ask them, are you allowing God to determine who that person will be? that you will spend the rest of your life with? Do you let God be a part of that? Then let me ask you this. Are your actions a reflection of your faith that you have in Jesus? 
You know, there, there's a no saying. I say he's old because I've heard it for a long time and I'm old. And I believe it's still applicable today. He says, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I remember the first time I heard that, I thought to myself, no. There's people out there that don't even know I'm a Christian because I don't tell them. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And that leads us to the third and final part here. Paul said that he's thankful for what God will do. In verse 6, he says, and I am certain. See, the important aspect of, of Paul's Thankfulness is based on the confidence that he will continue to have reason to be thankful for them. He makes this amazing statement that says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns see Paul is saying here he's like guys all I did was deliver the message but I'm thankful for God because he began that good work within you y'all heard pe uh, people saying pastors say I pray that God will start stirring that person's heart Lord I pray that you go before me and start stirring that person's heart so when I as a messenger arrive, Lord, they can look and say, God's been doing something in me already. See, he began with the verse by express, expressing the confidence uh, with the phrase, I am certain. See, this indicates that Paul was, had been sure from the very first day that he met them and was still sure to that day that they received the letter of God continued work in the transformation of the lives of the Philippians. See, Paul was convinced that their partnership in the, in the gospel will continue until Jesus returns. But this confidence was not based on the Philippians themselves. But rather, it was based on the one who began the good work, God. He says, I am certain that God, who began the good work in you. See, Paul wants to emphasize, emphasize that his certainty is based on God's creative and sustaining activity and not upon Paul himself. No matter what life throws at you, God is going to continue his good work in you. He's going to continue that. You might be in a season that you don't understand, but after that season, you will see. 
Oh, you know, farmers are out there right now. It's a hundred and a million degrees outside. And they don't really want to be out there. But in a little while, they will see what their actions led to. Romans 8, 38, 39 says this. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I am convinced that, that God is going to continue his good work in your life until he's completed. I am convinced that nothing will separate you from God in that good work that he has for you. I am convinced that God has an amazing plan for your life. And I am convinced that God has an amazing plan for the first church of the catfish. I don't know what our name is. But he's got a plan for us here. And I really feel strongly that that plan is not about us and us few, but about him and what all he can do through Crosswalk Pflugerville. You know, this morning, I ain't thankful as your connections, Pastor. I'm thankful for what he has done in you. Thankful for what, what Heath and I thank God for what Heath and Karen have done for this church plant. And I'm thankful for what you have done as being uh, not only my partners, but Heath's partners and the other people in this church partners. Oh, but I'm thankful of what God is going to continue to do. Let me ask again. Will you continue to allow yourself to be interrupted by God? Are you going to allow yourself to be interrupted by God while Garrett comes up here? You know, God is not going to be sticking his foot out to try to trip us to get our attention. His work can go on even without us. But he wants to use us. But you have to allow your life to be interrupted by him. What an amazing God we serve. Let's pray. We'll stand up and Garrett will take us out. Father, we give you thanks, Lord. Once again, Father, because you have, Lord, undoubtedly, Lord, just started that good work in us, Father. I know at times, Father, we feel that it's not good, Lord. And that's because we can't see the big picture, Lord, that you see, Father. But I'm thankful, Lord, for every step that I'm able to take because of you, Father. Father, be with us, Lord, that we can truly dedicate 
dedicate our lives, Father, to spreading the gospel wherever we are. For it's your holy name we pray, Jesus Christ.